Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Today's opening tip, Luka Doncic using a Boban screen more than once to free himself up for this three last night. So, Matt, is this a screen, a human shield? What do you call this when Boban? A little bit of both. <laughs> it's the best of both words. It's a big fella. It's hard to go, you know, underneath. If you go around, Luka goes downhill, so you got to pick your poison. That is the world's largest traffic cone. Right? <laughs> Very impressive. He does so many things, Boban. Welcome to the jump. I am Rachel Nichols. Happy New Year, everyone. Today, I am joined by our senior writer, Kevin Arnovitz. 14-year NBA vet, co-host of the All, All the Smoke podcast with our friend Steven Jackson, Mr. Matt Barnes. Coming up, the Pelicans playing here in L.A. tonight, and their hosts, Anthony Davis and the Lakers, are in first place. How should New Orleans feel about the big trade from this summer right now? We will discuss that first, though. The Miami Heat and Toronto Raptors have been two of the NBA's most captivating teams this season, capable of delivering rollicking thrills on any given night. Last night was not one of those nights. If you want to be kind, you could say it was a defensive battle. The teams combined for a total of 160 points, which would be fine if this was 1998, but feels startling when it's 2020. And the Bucks and Rockets are each averaging 120 a game all by themselves. Some of what happened last night can be credited to Miami coach Eric Spolstra, who had been, let's just say, displeased with his team's effort in a game against Washington earlier this week and had just put the Heat through a two-and-a-half-hour practice focusing explicitly on defense. Miami came out last night heavy on 2-3 zone, and bothered Toronto shooters all night. But also the Raptors were dealing with the wee little problem of not being able to hit the broad side of a barn even if you spotted them a two-headed cow head start. Seriously, the Raptors were 6 of 42 from behind the three-point line. 6 of 42. Toronto had come into this game ranked fourth in the league in three-point percentage. Last night's game was so bad that all by itself it knocked them down to seventh. Of course, the Raptors still battling a fleet of injuries. Neither Pascal Siakam nor Marc Gasol are particularly close to returning. And things didn't get better in the third quarter when Kyle Lowry rolled his ankle. As for the Heat, they did get a nice little boost from Tyler Hero in the fourth to help them put the game away. Although even the final seconds became a bit of a farce when players played a little hot potato, not wanting to be responsible for a turnover on the shot clock violation. It was ridiculous enough that our friend, NBA Twitter aficionado, Worldwide Wob, who likes to call this phenomenon the Balbonic Plague, begged Heat beat writer Tim Reynolds to, quote, pretty please ask Spo why he was laughing in the final seconds when the Heat were dribbling the ball out. We know why. Just want to see if he admits it. So Tim actually asked Spolstra about it in the official post-game presser because that's just what kind of night it was. And here was Spo's response. What was going on out there? Yeah, I also don't think it's that big of a deal if you shoot it. It's, that's disrespectful. I don't know when that started, that you have to eat the ball and take a turnover or else you're totally disrespecting the other team. People get all fired up about all the wrong things in this league. I had to explain to Bam that that goes as a team turnover. It's not your individual turnover. Because I've been on his about turning the ball over. <laughs> so he looked at me and laughed about it. But uh, that doesn't go to, to him. 
Not a bad point by Spo, by the way, on the whole end-of-game shot disrespect thing. Spolstra also strong last night on Jimmy Butler, who, like nearly everyone on the floor, was struggling offensively. Butler took only 10 shots, and he made just two of them. But Spolstra noted that, quote, I think that's what young players should learn coming into the league of what a max player actually means. It's not about whatever 2K numbers you can get. It's about how your team functions and whether they are winning because of the player. Indeed, the Heat did, in fact, win the game last night, which in the end is all anyone is going to remember about it. I mean, I hope that's all anyone remembers because it sure wasn't pretty. So, Matt, I- I'm going to let both teams off the hook here a little bit, a little post-holiday doldrums games, right? But with the trade deadline coming up fast next month, when you see this Heat team out right now, what do you think they want to do with this roster? First of all, they got the best city advantage that those, <laughs> those South Beat Knights are undefeated. Uh, so that could be uh, attributed to the Lowell's. But, um, Miami's in a particular awkward situation because they're playing really well. Yeah, I think they surprised a lot of people, but uh, I think a lot of people still feel they're one piece away from really contending in the East. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of good young core players. So, what do you do? Do you do you go after a veteran point guard? Do you you know do you find another uh, wing? They're in a tough situation, but it'll inter- be interesting to see what they do towards the deadline because, like I said, I think they're one piece away from really contending. In you the want East. to see them get someone, right? I would love to see them get somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they have been a team that has been cited time and time again that if Oklahoma City wants to get off Chris Paul's contract, if Toronto decides it wants to turn the page and deal Kyle Lowry, who got a one-year extension, I think with the understanding that that became a more attractive piece to a team like Miami, they can do it. And they also have the ingredients to make a trade, and it's been interesting. The fact that that young backcourt we talk about, Kendrick Nung and Duncan Robinson, well, guess what? Those guys now are on rookie-controlled contracts, and if you're looking to acquire an all-star or an all-star caliber point guard, what do teams want back? Oh, an interesting young player who's on a very value contract. To say nothing of, you know, Justice Winslow, who's got another year and a half and at a very good number. So they're a really, I think they're the most interesting team to watch going into the trade deadline season. Now, here's what you need to remember, though, about them going into the deadline. I do not see them in any way acquiring a player who has salary still on his ledger into that 2021 free agency season because as we talked about a lot this coming summer we're not expecting a ton of big free agency movement the following summer is going to feel more like this past Mm -hmm. summer and the heat are definitely a team with to your point matt they feel like they got miami advantage they got the the wind starting to roll in a little bit they're going to be a very attractive free agent destination and they don't want to tie up their books so that's something to keep in mind too as the next month rolls on all right the first returns from the all-star fan vote are in luka Doncic is currently the leading vote getter followed by Giannis. And LeBron James. As a reminder of how this works, guys, fan voting will eventually account for 50% of the vote for the five starters. The other 50% split evenly among voting by the media members and the players themselves. And what they are voting on is two backcourt and three frontcourt players from each conference. So, Kevin, when we look at the fan vote tallies, what was the biggest surprise to you? I mean, I think it was a surprise to see Trey Young number one at his position. I mean, you're talking about over guys like Kyrie. I know he hasn't played a lot, but he's a, he's a household name. Kemba Walker, who is all the talk over the summer. The Celtics are playing great. And here's a guy from a, this, a second-year player from a team that is 7-27. and 27. But I also, in some sense, it's not surprising because this guy was designed in a laboratory for an All-Star right. game. Like, who cares that he dies on every single screen? This is the All-Star game, right? You want a guy shooting from 35 feet every single time and pointing to the floor. so But I was surprised. I mean, wow, he has caught traction among fans, yes. even in Atlanta, who are never on national television. Yeah. Um, but he has that guy. People love to see the yeah. little guy shoot. I think that he's captured that younger audience. I mean, my kids are 11 years old. In the AU tournaments, you hear kids, Trey Young left and right, Luca left and right. But mm-hmm. I would say the biggest surprise to me was Luca. 
Luka and Giannis leading the All-Star voting. Right. I mean, if it stays out of it, that means all, uh, LeBron won't be a captain, mm-hmm. which is very surprising. But I just think uh, hats off to David Stern, rest in peace. But I think this is his global vision. Right. You know what I mean? You have two of the top vote-getters from another country. And remember, the way the format is, the captains from the East and the West are the ones who draft the, the teams, right, yeah. around the pool of eligible players. So mm-hmm. could be fun to see those right. guys going head-to-head in the right. playground-style draft. They'll do it on TNT again this year. All right, we got some breaking news coming in for you guys. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting Detroit and Atlanta have been engaged in talks on a trade mm. centered around Andre Drummond. League sources telling ESPN no deal imminent, so that breaking news might not play. Music might not play again in the next hour. But Detroit talking to the Hawks and several other teams on Drummond. Sources said. Kevin, did you see this coming? I, I was around the Pistons last night, and I think we have a segment later yeah. in the show. I, I, in this respect, yes. I mean, where are the Pistons right now? Uh, they're a team in flux. The good news for them is they have a lot of salary coming off the books at a certain point. Also, Drummond has a player option for the summer. If he declines that and walks, mm-hmm. they get nothing. Mm-hmm. So he is the classic guy where if they want value on Andre Drummond, now is the time to act. So in that respect, it's not a surprise. Though this early, I mean, it's only January 4th. Right. Uh, we, we've seen with with the trade deadline, yeah. there's some teams that want to say, you know what, let's trade early, it's, right? It's starting because earlier and I earlier. Get, yeah. right? Didn't yeah. Nikola Mirotic go pretty early the year exactly. that he mm-hmm. came down to New Orleans because they were just like, we want to get him and get him out and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Did you expect this from Detroit? Uh, I, I think they, they need to do something. Like I said, I think they're, they're a very average, somewhat mediocre team. Uh, great trade value for Andre Drummond still, probably great trade value for Blake Griffin. It's not necessarily a free agent destination, Detroit, so you're going to have to strategically make moves, and they realize, like like he said right now, if, if Drummond uh, declines his option, he can walk, and you never want that to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you definitely see some movement from them soon. I mean, look, I don't know about Blake Griffin and value because, again, he missed another game mm-hmm. last night. He's missed about half their game so far this season. That contract's be because only of where he's at. You just feel like some guys aren't pushing it injury-wise when they know what their team is doing. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Yep, there you go. I, I mean, I think it's, I mean, a 72-game season for Blake Griffin, I mean, it takes its toll in the next season to a certain extent. I mean, I think there is, uh, I mean, this is, I don't want to get back on that, my no, hobby but, horse here, but I just think that, you know, he had a really, he played a lot of minutes last season. Well, look, we will have to see what kind of value he has on the market. Sounds like, according to Woj, Andre Drummond still has plenty. Here's what Pistons owner Tom Gore said during the game last night. He was asked about where his team stood. He said, we have to look at everything because we're not winning. So if you are not winning, you have to assess everything. I think anybody would want to do that. And probably in the next month or so, we're going to get together as an organization and just discuss things. These comments were made to the Detroit Free Press in the article. They were talking about the fact that since day one, when he bought the team a few years ago, he was like, we're making it in the playoffs. We're going for the playoffs. This is not a rebuilding team. We want to win right now. Certainly the coach hiring they made last year. And yet here he is for the first time, really, since he's owned the franchise, saying, like, maybe we got to look at everything. Maybe we'll take a step back and rebuild. Well, I mean, bit. I think it's, I mean, obviously the enthusiasm of being a new owner, but it's a lot easier said than done. Right. You know, it's, it's definitely a process. Uh, you know, the East is stronger than it's been in years past. And like I said, this team kind of just hovers. Even if they slide into the playoffs, I don't see them advancing yeah. past around. So I think now is a good, a good rebuild, good rebuild time as ever. This is a smart decision for them to make. I'm interested to see what they get on the market for each of these bigger name guys. All right, coming up, Michael Porter Jr., Scoring a career-high 25 points last night. What does this mean for his career and for the Nuggets going forward? First, though, it's time for our distant replay from this date, 2009, featuring Dwayne Wade, who, according to the Sun Sentinel's Ira Winderman, will get his jersey retired by the Heat next month. Mm. 
best shot blocking guard of all time. Ever. Really? Oh, wait, wait, not wait, even. Close. You don't even think it's an argument. Not even close. Not even It's a make or miss league. Um. <laughs> make miss. Oh, Liga Pramasai Pogodaka. That hair, baby. All right, make agility. Raptors heat. Check out the graceful Eurostep ball fake by Bam Adebayo. Impressive handles for a big, right, guys? Love a big man who can make plays. I don't know. Very Anthony... talented young player, man. Right feature for him. Woo. Anthony Davis had that growth spurt, right, which is why he's got the good handles and big man. I don't know. Maybe he had the same. Go back to the BAM history, yeah. <laughs> Zach, if there's a BAM history, Zach Lowe will bring it to us at some point, for sure. He's got the goods. He's got the goods. He's got to be able to do everything these days, though, with the big. Yeah, so. that's true. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show as well. He's so much fun to watch, though. Really a high point for that team. Miss layups. Some good big man dunks in the league last night. Look at Spellman. Cool, cool baby Sabonis. That will get Omari into shape. Right? <laughs> Lowry Markinen. Boom. Matt, which was your favorite here? Uh, I like uh, the first one, Duncan on um, in Minnesota. Why am I forgetting his name? My former teammate. Oh. <laughs> it's senility, you know, Matt. Uh, it happens uh, uh, in old age. <laughs> uh, Jordan Bell, you know, facing his former teammate. The young player dunks right in his face. Uh, but I love big men dunking, and especially dunking on people. Yeah, Lori, because I like, I like a big man who catches it on the go and then... Little, a little added degree of difficulty. I'm Rachel, by the way, Matt. Just clearing that up for you. <laughs> Make Destiny. <laughs> Lou Will said in his post-game interview, he's a newborn baby, and he has named it Six. It's S-Y-X, but still, is that a perfect name for Lou Will's son, Sixth Man of the Year? Confession, I read it as Sticks, the Chicago <laughs> 1970s band of the hit Babe. And Mr. Roboto. <laughs> There's a Y. Um, see, Matt, I thought his nickname or his, for the son should be two because of the other thing he's famous for uh-huh. instead of six. But uh, Spelled T Y O. Very creative. I'm just saying, nobody went with me on that. And thank you for letting me die out here on my own. Miss Patience! <laughs> <laughs> NBA Twitter has started calling Devontae Graham Instagram because he is instant mm. offense, averaging 18.8 points a game. Kevin, do you like the nickname? I like Instagram. And let's see, look, when he hits the shot, you've got Instagram face. Yeah. There you this go. Very really impressive, nice. man. I worked with him before the draft. Very humble, down-to-earth kid, nice. and just excited to see what he's turned into thus far. Uh, they played better than they should have, and he is a big reason. Yeah, absolutely. Any nickname someone else gives you is a nickname you can use. Cannot right. nickname yourself. So <laughs> there you go. Make, well, he have that problem in the NBA. Some people try to mm-hmm. nickname themselves. It's not good. Make comparisons. Jazz, Bulls, Donovan Mitchell just beating the shot clock buzzer. Check out the shoulder fake fadeaway. Mm-hmm. Oof. Now, Matt, you recently had Dwayne Wade on your podcast talking yeah. about Mitchell's game. What did he tell you? Uh, oddly enough, he said, uh, you know, him and Donovan are very close in contact. You know, Donovan has him watching film, asking all kinds of questions. So I think that's great to be able to pick the brain of one of the greatest two guards ever to play. And he definitely reminds me, if any, if anyone in the NBA reminds me of D. Wade, it, it, it's Donovan Mitchell. The footwork is uncanny. It is all D. Wade. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you put a blindfold on. This is, this is really uncanny. Dwayne said that he was so impressed that just from the moment he got in the league, he wasn't afraid to ask questions. Right. Ask questions, ask mm-hmm. questions. 
By the way, if you have not heard Dwayne Wade's interview with Matt and Stephen Jackson oh, on all the great. smoke, it is one of you guys. You guys do great stuff, but that one was yes. particularly that was good. Big. You know, definitely Super hats, candid. hats off to Dan- Dwayne Wade for just being so open and candid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, and really showing everyone else another side of him, which and 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 discussing tough things that need to be discussed amongst mm-hmm. men. So definitely check it out. Thank you for the plug. All the smoke, no, Showtime, YouTube, basketball. Really, do you really think good. there's something about retirement that just sort of the load is off, you can just talk. I think really. so. I think I mean, you can freely speak and just really just be you. Especially bigger players with me, I kind of didn't care. You know what I mean? But <laughs> you were unfiltered yeah, before right. retirement. Bigger right. players, okay. they have to worry about endorsements and all this kind of thing and carrying the team. But it, it's nice to just see, you know, Dwayne just relax. And really, we just had a free-flowing conversation to discuss a lot of amazing topics, and he was dope. Yes, highly, highly recommend. All right, I want to switch gears to the Nuggets because Michael Porter Jr. scoring a career-high 25 points last night in 23 minutes of action. Remember MPJ? drafted back in 2008, but he sat out the entire season in 2019. Sorry, 2018. 2008 would make him very old. Um, He recovered from that back surgery. He was the number one player in his high school class. At one point, we thought he'd be the overall number one draft pick, so we got some glimpses as to why last night. Look at this. 11 for 12 from the field. If he can do more of this, Matt, what does it mean for the Nuggets, who, by the way, have won 10 of their last 12? I still think they're probably a year or two away. Very young team, but I think He's living up to what everyone thought he was going to be. I'm glad he's taking his time with these injuries because some oftentimes, especially with backs, people rush back and it, it's all bad, like Dwight Howard. Um, he's taking his time and just really showing how talented he is. He's definitely one of the cornerstones along with uh, uh, Nokic and uh, Jamal Murray, yeah. um, something they can definitely build around. So I'm very excited to see him get out there and really do his thing because he has no holes in his offensive game. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget that this less than three years ago, this was the number one player in his class, right. in his country. Um, I, I think what's really significant about this is if you're a non-destination franchise, right. what do you need to win a title? And the answer is you need your draft picks to overperform. Oh. I mean, look at the Warriors. That was a story of Draymond Green, second rounder. You know, uh, Thompson, a, a ninth pick playing like a top three pick. Steph obviously playing a book. And this is the story of the Denver Nuggets potentially. Jokic, second round pick. Murray, lottery pick, but seven or eight, I, I believe. And here's Porter, who is, we forget, was a freak who can score in every region of the floor, who can shoot from outside, who is fatal against the rim, who can pull up to mid-range. I mean, this guy has skills. So if he becomes even 90% right. of what he was projected to be in 2017... I mean, now the Denver Nuggets are in business. Yeah. But, but a steal from where he was drafted at, too. Right. Wait, I mean, 14, last steal. of Well, nobody time. doubted the ability he was coming in with. It's just that having such a major injury, right, that he didn't make it out of his college freshman year with, um, there was some concern of, is this just going to dog him for the rest of his career? He's not really going to even be able to get out of the gates. Denver is lovely, by the way. Kevin. I love Denver. I, I go every year. Um, um, this is a team, though, that was... But, but I think among NBA players, I mean... Yeah. This yeah. is this yeah. is a team that was a few minutes away, possibly, from making it to the Western Conference right. Finals, right? Remember, mm-hmm. they went those seven-game series, both in the first and second round. They want to get into those Western Conference Finals. This year, they think they should, and it'll be interesting if this young man helps them get there. Coming up, Steve Kerr said, quote, We need to get back to the point where players need to earn fouls. Is that BS or real talk? Stick around and play a little of that game to find out the answers. Tonight after Pelicans Lakers, stick around for Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN and the app. He's going to have an exclusive interview with Deshaun Watson ahead of Saturday's wild card game against Buffalo. In fact, wild card weekend starts with that game on ESPN. 
and ABC tomorrow, 4.35 Eastern. The Bills take on the Texans in Houston. Coverage starts with postseason NFL countdown at 3 Eastern. You can also watch all of that live on the ESPN app. And now it is time for... The ball deserves to go on the crowd after a bull move like that. I think it's bull I just thought it was uh, bull Don't give me that crap! No lie, I was actually startled to just see Kyrie back on the screen again. BS to Real Talk is back, people. First up, we're going to talk about Steve Kerr. Back on New Year's Eve, Steve Kerr voicing his displeasure with how the game is being officiated over the last decade. Kerr told reporters, we have to decide as a league, are we going to call fouls that people would laugh about at a pickup game? He went on to say, we need to get back to the point where players need to earn fouls and earn it by beating their man and drawing contact in a natural way and not flopping and flailing and grabbing arms. I don't blame the players. If the league is going to allow it, then the players should 100% do it. Is all of this BS or real talk, gentlemen? Ooh, look at that. Player, what do you got? Absolutely. And I think James Harden has taken it to another level. He's mastered it. And like Coach Kerr said, you can't be mad at James. Mm -hmm. I think the refs have to be able to tighten up and realize what is really a foul and what is a flop because he sticks his legs out, he grabs arms, he does all this stuff. And like I said, you can't be mad at him because they're calling and he's getting to the free throw line a handful of times. But it gets ridiculous out there. It's frustrating. You Sometimes your key players get in foul trouble. It definitely needs to be cleaned up. So as a player, do you just get frustrated when it's happening on the court to you? Or do you actively start thinking, I as still Steve get says, and trying to like play into yeah, it? Yeah, I, I mean, I still get bothered and I don't play anymore. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it's definitely because it just it messes the whole flow of the game up. And it's ridiculous when you're seeing one guy shoot 25 free throws. No one's getting fouled that much. So they definitely need to clean it up. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like certain behaviors, don't incentivize that behavior. And right now, you get two shots or you get a possession or, or whatever it is. And if, if the league doesn't like it, and I don't think, I'm with Matt. Like, it, it, my question is, is what are people tuning in to see? Right. They're tuning in to see Giannis Antetokounmpo taking off from the foul line. Every or minute, James Harden Or James shooting. Harden shooting, right? Just shooting. Though. Every time, <laughs> the portion of the game, that two hours and 25 minutes, that does not involve... Amazing athletes doing amazing basketball things is a minute that someone can just turn the channel. And I I mean, foul shots are the scourge of the league. I mean, stoppages are the scourge of the league. But let's remember, like I said, we can't get mad at the players. No, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I thought, first of all, the pickup game line was excellent by Steve Kerr. But it was interesting to me that he was the one saying this because. Unlike several former players of his era, he has not been a I walked uphill both ways to school and everything was better in my day kind of guy. He's mm-hmm. always been like, hey, the game's evolved. It's great right, now. He right. obviously led one of the great teams of the last decade. Right. And when he says, hey, this has been a problem in the last decade, that holds weight to me in a different way than a guy who played in that original era he played in but has been poo-pooing right. it the whole right. time. So, All right, we stay with the Warriors for our next BS or Real Talk topic. In the middle of the third quarter, because, you know, why not do this during the game, Draymond Green got into a shouting match with a fan sitting courtside at the Target Center in Minneapolis. Take a listen, friends. (laughs) Draymond said you paid $500 for these courtside seats. Shut up. Is that BS or real talk? There we go. Boom. All right. So, I mean, Draymond Green in his uh, his just infinite brilliance. Yes. 
perfectly illustrated the small market, big market disparity. Because on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, the Detroit Pistons will be playing in San Francisco at 5.30 p.m., which is not a marquee team, not a marquee slot. And the cheapest seat to get anywhere near the floor in San Francisco would be $2,275. So Draymond is kind of, what's a gaffe, telling the truth by accident? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I think, you know, I was someone that talked back to the fans, and I think as long as it stays within the realm of the game, I think sometimes fans go overboard and get sure. too disrespectful. But I think as long as it stays within the realm of the game in good sportsmanship, it's something that the fans are always going to remember. I think it makes the whole excitement of the game better. And I was always for it. I got fined a few times for talking to the crowd a few times. Um, but like I said, I think, you know, I, I, I saw some of these people and they've hit me on Instagram like, man, thanks for talking to me during the game. Right, so right. Like I said, it's something as a fan that they'll always remember. Well, you also talked to the owners during the game, which was also yeah, excellent. Well, that's that was my did. favorite part. Hey, he was talking to me bad first. <laughs> I was the only one that got fined for it. I know. Speaking Weird how of that fines. happens. Yes, I did like your comment yesterday. Speaking, of course, about the great legacy of the late David right. Stern, of which you were very complimentary. And then mm-hmm. you said... He took a lot of my life, so there you go. All right, let's move on. The NBA has fined King's Dwayne Dedman $50,000 for making a public trade request. He has been unhappy with his role since being removed from rotation in December. Now, Dedman is in year one of a three-year, $40 million contract with the Kings. I had to do the calculator math. He makes about $13 million a year, so this fine is... This is about one-third of one percent of his salary. Not going to really make a dent. In an interview with the Sacramento Bee, Dedman said, quote... I would like to be traded. I haven't been playing, so I would like to go somewhere where my talents are appreciated. BS or real talk, guys. Can I use your uh yeah, yeah, yeah. real quick? You got it both. Okay, are we ready? <laughs> Wait, you got you're doubling it? Double BS. Really? Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, double the fine. Real? The fine is BS, but real talk. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're doing both. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> I just think, like I said, I I think it's a slippery slope as a player because you don't want to be labeled as a disgruntled player, someone that's going to cause hectic, uh, you know, commotion in the locker room. But there's no way he should be fined $50,000 for speaking his mind. That's Kiki doing too much. Kiki, stop doing these BS fines. He shouldn't be fined. Give him his money back. It's not like he made the rule up. It's a rule. It's ridiculous. Like I said, I think he's, you know, he's earned the right to say that. You know, I think guys should be able to say you know, if, if you're not going to use me, let's move on. He shouldn't be fine. But like I said, it, it's slippery when you want to don't want to be labeled as well. Well, I mean, I kind of look at this. This is self-marketing. I mean, a lot of famous people pay publicists right. a lot more than one third of one percent of their salaries <laughs> right. to get out messages and self-branding. And, right. and Dwayne Dedman is the, you know, all purpose big man who's useful to have on your team, who in Atlanta, at least, was really appreciated San for his Antonio leadership. Too. Right. right? Yes. I mean, a, a guy who is not, has not ever had a reputation of being a malcontent at all. Right. And he wants out. It's like the Eric Bledsoe. Remember when he got paid? Yes. The best fifteen thousand dollars he ever spent. Absolutely, I right. just don't want to be here. There yes. you go. And to look, the fact that it, it's not really actually costing him anything in terms of money, because while fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money to some of us, um, it is one third of one percent of his salary to him. Um, it could cost him in reputation, right. but not so much considering what he's already his, built. His up track record is proven that he's not that type of player, but it's just it, it's dangerous these days. To play but with if it. you don't want to be there, you don't want to be there. There you go. Here's what the jump recommends for today: Jackie McMullen and Kirk Goldsberry taking an in-depth look at the evolution of the big man in the modern NBA. Despite constant pressure to go to work in the paint, Joel Embiid told them, "Quote: We need to be able to do everything on the basketball court. That's what I've been trying to do." kind of change the narrative around big men. We will be discussing this after the break, so take a quick look during the commercial and then stick with us. It's a really interesting story. We are underway at Staples Center, which should be a great game between the Lakers and the When we're in it, we have no idea. We're just trying to win ball games. Davis 
Yes, the combo works again. Thank you, Rise Unit. That looked good. All right, tonight, your NBA doubleheader on ESPN and the app featuring Sixers facing the Rockets, 8 o'clock Eastern. That is a good basketball game. Good. And then the Lakers hosting Anthony Davis's former team, the Pelicans, at Staples Center. Coverage beginning with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. So... As discussed, AD facing his former team once again tonight. The Lakers have the top record in the West. The Pelicans, not been the best month. Second worst record in the conference. They're getting up a little bit more steam. Matt, how should the Pelicans feel about the AD trade right now? I think they kind of understood that this was going to be a trust-the-process situation. I think the Lakers made a move for now. Mm -hmm. The Pelicans made a move for long term. Um, Interesting to see when, if and when Zion comes back to kind of see who they're going to be able to build around and keep and who is going to be a viable trade asset. I think one person that comes to mind is Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. Possibly getting him out there, uh, getting him out on the market to a contender and and receiving some good stuff. So I think they understood getting rid of an amazing player like AD was going to be a process. Yeah, I mean, you can't look at this in the short term if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. It was not about this year. It's not even about next year. It's about just resuscitating the franchise after Davis's departure. And he was going anyway. I mean, well, that's, that, that, that's and that's that what I keep going back to is it's not like he you were getting going. full. The, the Anthony Davis that the Lakers are getting this season, he was not available to mm. the Pelicans for this season. And it kind of been made clear by the way the second half of last season shook out. You were not getting the Anthony Davis we see now in Los Angeles. So it's not as if you look and say, oh, look at who they got. Maybe they shouldn't have made the deal. They got a bonanza from a Lakers team that was frankly desperate and needed to maximize the final couple years of LeBron James. I can't believe I'm still saying this. LeBron James prime. Um, and and was basically kind of like the Clippers making almost a two-for-one trade because you were being able to maximize LeBron when you get Anthony Davis. It was a very smart deal to make, especially since you weren't getting that Anthony Davis in New Orleans. This year. You know, and Brandon I mean, Ingram's been a revelation for them Man. this season. I mean, he is really... Now, they're going to have to pay him, yep. which is an interesting... In terms of time. Not to do going into this right. So. so, but he has been. I mean, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Yes. But I think you hear Laker fans like, "Oh, we should have traded Kuzma. We should have kept Ingram. The Ingram you see in New Orleans wouldn't be. He would never be that That's Ingram with the Lakers because he needs the ball in his hands. That the offense needs to revolve around him, and that would have never happened with the Lakers. So, great move, and I'm glad to see he's actually blossomed because he's a very talented KD-ish player. I was gonna say, got that body type. Although mm-hmm. the question is, what happens when Zion does come back? Do you see him still playing this way? I think so. Yeah, man. Because uh, uh, Zion's not a primary ball handler. He's right. going to get his stuff, you know, uh, off transition, energy, off the wing, uh, putbacks and that kind of stuff. But Brandon Ingram, someone who can run the point, uh, point forward, someone who can score out of ISO, someone who can score off pick and roll. So I think the ball continues to stay in his hands. All right. Now, earlier in the show, we recommended to you an article from Jackie McMullen and Kurt Goldsberry on the fight to modernize the NBA big man. One of the biggest examples of this is Joel Embiid. He's frequently criticized for playing away from the basket, especially for his forebearers like Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, some really good quotes in the story, and a great stat from the article as well that makes you see how things have changed. From the NBA's inception until the introduction of the three-point line in 79-80, centers won a total of 19 MVPs. Since then, centers have won only six MVPs total. So considering these numbers and having watched Embiid play, Matt, what do you think? Do you agree more with the old-timers? He needs to spend more time in the paint. Do you think that he's got the right idea, saying he likes to move out to the three-point line and sort of make defenders respect that shot and then try to blow past them? I think he has to have a a good balance. I would say more in the paint than out, but definitely has to have some out. But I think what they lack now is when he used to draw the double team in the paint, he doesn't have the many shooters to kick it to anymore. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then also bringing Horford in. You know, Horford is someone that can also take up the paint, so they both can't be in the paint at the same time. That's really old-school basketball. So I just think it has to be a a fine line between in and out because he's definitely talented enough 
to do it, but I would, you know, caution more on the in than out. And but another thing I'd like to say, I loved how he took the criticism of Shaq and yeah. and, and, and Charles and put it into his game and, and, and came out like a monster because yeah. he has a mismatch on that block every single night. Uh, no one can guard him. So uh, hats off to him for, you know, applying that to his game. But like I said, I think it's a steady mix of both. It's interesting, Kevin, to see him be some of the center of this debate because he actually has more paint touches than any other center in the league. So he's being criticized for not being there, but he's doing it more than everyone else. It kind of speaks to just how the game has looked. Right. right. And I think to me the answer to the question is should be he be spending more time in the paint? And my answer is doing what? Right. I mean, if the answer is, well, the Sixers need to run 25 direct posts for Joel Embiid, they're not going to win the Eastern Conference. There's just not a way to maximize that offense in this day and age. Things will slow down in the playoffs. Defenses will contract on Embiid, and then he's going to have to make a play. Now, what I'd love is to see him become a great passer out of the double team. And that's something that's still left in his game to me. And I saw it so many times in that Toronto series in the, in the conference semifinals that I covered. It's just that's his next thing is doing what? I'd love to see him get the ball in the paint every time. And then what? Now, to Matt's point. The problem is they just where's JJ Redick? Where you know where are where's well, Bellinelli from the year before? They they mm-hmm. have cycled through some good shooters and don't have as much there right now. Jimmy Butler hit some really right. big clutch shots in the playoffs. He's not there anymore. We have this nice new set. I don't see the elephant in the room. You guys aren't discussing is that Ben Simmons clogs the paint on that team as well. And mm-hmm. these are two in my mind exceptional players. I, I love so many parts of Ben Simmons' game. I don't think he gets enough credit for his defense. We still haven't seen them play together and fully maximize each other in the way we've seen like Anthony Davis and LeBron really unlock even yet another level within each I, other. I don't know if we will see that to be honest and I, I love Philly I, I love both those very talented young players but I don't I don't think they they gel well together and I don't even think their personalities match you know you've heard that they really don't Ben doesn't say much and beats takes a lot of sneak shots at him uh, but I just don't know if, if their games match up because of Ben's lack of outside shooting, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and another thing you got to think, if, if Embiid is always sitting in the paint like everyone wants him to, that's going to completely take away Ben's game. Right, right. You know, so it, it's, I don't really think they're a good common, they're, they're definitely not peanut butter and jelly. No, I definitely not. And it's interesting because if they did get to the point where they traded Ben Simmons one day, I think if you built the right team around Ben Simmons, he would no play question. blockbuster, no gangbusters, question. and everyone would be, ah, I can't believe he traded him away, look no. what he did. But it's just a different team yeah. construction, Wait, and, and I don't know if we're going to see them together. Here's a question. Would we be stressing about his shot if he were the four? If he were a ball handling four, if we if, if that were the no. scheme, we wouldn't be t- we wouldn't have these same kinds of conversations. No, no but he's the, he's the point guard. And that's the you know point. I mean? but I think you put him around a bunch of shooters, and you see one of the best players on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. So it's <clears> going to be interesting as they continue to try that work of that out, and MB continues to try to play his position the way everyone wants him to. Coming up, if Vince Carter plays tonight, and we expect him to. He will be the first player to ever play in four different decades. We will take a look at some old school and new school Vince Carter next. I guarantee you cannot tell the difference on the dunk. First, though, it's time for our second distant replay of the day. This one from this date, 2013. Give a shout for Nick's version, J.R. Smith. Distant? 2013 is distant. Seven years ago. This date. That is distant. Yes. Producer Steve <laughs> notes that the Knicks actually made the playoffs in this year, so that's very distant. Aw, oh, they won a series, Steve. Memories. That was an incredible dunk. JR was fun, There's man. Crazy. So fun. I know it was minutes away, and Pablo and I will discuss who's to replace Jason Garrett. Will Tom Brady make it out of Wild Card Weekend? Kirk Cousins pull off an upset in New Orleans. And some questionable NBA All-Star voting. 
Stay tuned. Questionable, says you, Pablo. It's crunch time here on the jump. Paul George leaving last night's game in the second quarter with tightness in his left hamstring. Remember, PG set out the first 11 games of the season recovering from shoulder surgery, but he's played in every game since his debut in November. How concerned are you, Matt, seeing this? Uh, I think he'll be all right. Yes. Just rest right now. It's Right now it's the dog days of the season. You know, guys are waiting to get to the All-Star break, and, uh, you know, the, the game ramps up after All-Star break. But, uh, like I said, I just manage with caution. Yeah, Clippers aren't overly concerned, but they will exercise caution. And this is a team that has shown they are taking the, what did Doc Rivers say, that the Lakers are going to do whatever LeBron says. They're going to exercise caution in every circumstance. Talking about Jonathan Isaac, he's going to miss at least two months with a severe sprain and bone contusion in his left knee. Full recovery is expected, but Isaac proving to be one of the top defensive players in the league this year. Kevin, this is a, a bummer, right? This is a real bummer. He was already on my ballot, sort of all-NBA all second-team defense. Uh, he's just become a really interesting two-way prospect, and actually more than a prospect, he's contributing. I, I was really enjoying watching him play. One of my favorite guys to watch. Get well soon. Glad there's no real structural damage, though. Yeah. That's a good point. So he'll be back, and he's got plenty of years ahead of him to make your ballot. Let's talk about the Nets' backcourt. Could get a little boost on Saturday. No, not from that guy. It's from this guy. Woj reporting that Karis LeVert expected to return versus the Raptors this weekend. He's missed seven weeks since having thumb surgery in November. Matt, are we ever going to see the Nets back at full strength? Because the other guy in the backcourt would be Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Still with not. all due respect to Karis, people care when is Kyrie coming back. You know, I don't really know what's going on. I don't think anyone knows what's going on. But, uh, you know, good time to get Karis back on the court. Very talented young player. But I think the world is waiting to see when is that guy right there on the uh, on the screen coming back. Shoulder impingement for Kyrie, I think, is still what we're calling it. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see how they distribute minutes because Dinwiddie's been playing great. Yes. Um, and there's just a lot of talent in the backcourt there. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on to Taco Fowl and Alex Caruso. As Pablo discussed at the top of the segment, they have both cracked the top ten respectively in the first returns of all-star voting. People are going to get very, very rabid about this, Kevin. But I want to remind everyone that they will not make the all-star starting group, people. It's just, you know. Oh, the pathology of Boston of, sports. Yes. I mean, it is truly. Uh, no, but, I mean, hey, this is fun. I, I feel like the all-star game, there are no rules. Great. Come on. And, you know, look, of either guy, first of all, they're both fun. They're both little cult heroes in their respective teams and conferences. I've had a lot of fun watching Taco and sort of the response to him, not just in Boston, but in Portland also. Yeah, I like I like Caruso, the fact that he could walk around with his hair the way it is and dunk on people. The bald eagle. He definitely <laughs> deserves the nod. Uh, you know, Taco's a fan favorite. I, I love when fans really this gives fans a chance to have their voice heard. I think it's great. Yeah. But Alex... Take control of your baldness. It's time. <laughs> we all had to face it one Everyone point. Everyone is responsible hey, for their own to the individual off, choices. I'm just here to offer counsel. <laughs> <laughs> I want to revisit the news that broke earlier in the show. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Pistons are escalating talks with several teams to trade Andre Drummond. The Hawks, one of the teams reportedly interested. Atlanta has discussed sending a package, this is according to Woj, that includes a 2020 first-round pick via the Brooklyn Nets and the salary cap relief of expiring contracts for Detroit League sources said a potential deal would include other assets also. So, Kevin, we're discussing this during the break. I- I'm a bit confused because the Hawks are 7-27 and right now. And Andre Drummond is on, if he wants to be, if he declines his player option, an expiring contract this summer. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out from the Hawks' standpoint, and this is kind of what I've come up with. Okay, uh, we still have issues at center. Yes, we're building for the long term, but at a certain point, we need to stabilize this defense in this play. Hey, and if Andre is committed to Atlanta, it's a, it's a nice city. He wants to be there. He can grow up with this young team. Look, there are worse guys to play pick and roll for the next six years of your life mm-hmm. than Trey Young. Are you kidding me? 
Look, I mean, not everybody has to be 2021 and 22, and I, I think they'd like to make a little progress. It's been a rough year in Atlanta. Yes, the expectations were measured, but they need something injected there. I mean, it's, it's just it's kind of been stale the last couple of months. You're talking about his age. I had to look it up because right. I'm going to confess. I thought he was older <laughs> than he is. How old is he, Matt? 26. <laughs> People thought he was, you know, past in, in his good 30s. I, you know, I know he's still a younger player, but I don't know how much sense it makes to Atlanta. But I, I think a team that definitely is looking for a big is Boston, yeah. as long as mm-hmm. they don't have to give up too many, uh, you know, someone like a Marcus Smart or too many pieces. But they still have draft picks, you know, in their back pocket, and I think he would be a great fit in Boston. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I love it for the Celtics. The Hawks, I'm still trying to get kind of comfortable with. I don't it. know if this is Detroit starting trying to get a bidding war going or something like that. I do think it's an intriguing option for Boston because they do need to be bolstered in that position. And you look at most of the options out there, there are contracts and deals that would require them to, as you say, give up maybe a Marcus Smart, something they don't want to do. They love their strength at the wing. So if you could maybe be get a guy like Drummond who might be at a lower price because he is on that potentially expiring contract, mm-hmm. you can kind of have it both ways. I guess the assumption is in Atlanta with this deal they're talking about, and maybe in Boston, too. Maybe once he's there and you get him in the door, you convince him to stay. Boston is a free agent destination for a lot of guys. Atlanta has not been as much of one, so maybe they figure this is how they can get it. But it's a great place, everybody. It's amazing. So Denver's here for you, but then Denver, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. They got a, good, a lot of good young talent in Atlanta, though. You know, so you land a piece like Drummond and, and continue to build around him. Him and Trey, like you said, a him and Trey Young pick and roll duel would be trouble. But he has to stay. It's right. his player option, and you've got to think that he's going to want it. What do players want to do? Do they want to te- when they finally get it their depends. free agency, Matt? Yeah, I think it just depends. You know what I mean? Uh, I think everyone's different. You know, I think he would look at where where do I fit best, fit best first and foremost because you know centers are, are, are a dying breed in the yeah. NBA. And, and there'll be more money in 2021, but if he comes out this summer, he'll be one of the he'll bells. Be the only, he'll right. be like the bell at the ball. Him and Brandon Ingram, right. but Brandon Ingram is restricted. It, so you know, maybe the, maybe the answer is to your point. He does the old Chris Paul all opt into that right. year, you know, before the trade. There's a there's a mutual understanding, and that way, a team like Boston or anybody else chasing him knows, okay. A year and a half. And, by the way, now we're still free for 2021. Right. That is absolutely true. And look at the two teams playing each other tonight. In our League Pass game of the night, this is so convenient. The Hawks are at the Celtics. Trey Young will face the Celtics for the first time this season. Kemba Walker, who trails Trey in all-star voting by about 11,000 votes, is out with the flu. Very cool side note on this, though, is that if Vince Carter plays tonight, he will be the first NBA player to play in four different Decades, Matt. You played with Vince in Orlando and Memphis. Mm-hmm. You are sitting here with us. Yes. Vince keeps coming to sit with us in I the spring, it. but then goes back and plays the next. I season. love it. I, I think obviously hats off, twenty second year, but I just think that the way he's been able to evolve his game. You know, he came in as a human highlight reel. You know, half man, half amazing. But he's found a consistent jump shot and and still does the little things that get him on the court at this age. Yeah, in, in an era we're all talking about, can a guy accept this role? Can a guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, this Vince has been a salve for multiple young organizations in the past few years. Memphis, Sacramento, Atlanta. Um, it's, 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 he's, uh, I also root for guys in their mid-30s. I, uh, I mid-40s, <laughs> Sorry, mid-40s. Right, although I hear people saying, like, man, he gives hope to the YMCA player. No, no he, no, no he one is, is like him. You are not like him. If you are playing no, in your 30s no. in the YMCA, you are not like Vince 
Carter. Um, look, I, I think the fact that he has decided, and we've talked about this with him on the jump, that he wants what he wants. He wanted to go to teams that had playing time. Other guys in his position were like, yeah, and I'm going to chase a ring. I'm going to go sit at the end of the bench. I'm willing to be one of those vet knowledge mm-hmm. guys. And that's fine, too. Right. But Vince said, what I want to do is play basketball. Right. And so that is why he's gone to some of these other teams. And he's yeah. shown he can still play Absolutely. basketball at this level for sure. Before we go, the NBA scoring leader James Harden, who faced a slew of double teams in his last game against the Nuggets, sometimes as far as 40 feet away from the rim. Now, after that game, Harden said, quote, that means that I'm doing something right, that I'm pretty good. So, Matt, are these double teams a sign of respect for Harden or something more as these teams get ready to face each other again? The utmost respect. You know, he's the toughest player on the planet to guard right now. I think with KD hurt, um, he's the, the biggest offensive weapon in the game. So I think double, triple teams, he's probably going to see more. And, you know, I guarantee the game plan going into Houston is to make other guys beat you. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a tried-and-true defensive tactic. I don't think for an entire game, but I do think there are going to be spots up. where you you got to let them see a bunch of pitches. And it's going to be incumbent on whoever that number five option on the Houston Rockets is, is going to be a pivotal person into breaking the press. I guess, although, again, that elephant in the room going back and forth around here, what other player are you talking about, Matt, needs to really get his shots in? Uh, Russ, you know, <laughs> I think uh, Eric Gordon coming back is going to help. Yes. You know, House has played well. I don't know if Gerald Green will be back this year. Um, but like I said, there, there's some other guys, but I guarantee, like I said, the game plan is let's not let James beat us, and he's beat a lot of teams. Yes. All right. And look, with the way the Rockets lost to the Warriors on Christmas Day, that is a very depleted team. What kind of statement do you think that they and James Harden have to make as they go through these next couple months? I just sort of. I just think they want to be scared of them. They want to stay consistent. You know what I mean? You're you're building for March, April, going into into the playoffs. You know, Christmas Day loss to a depleted team is obviously disappointing. But you're looking at the bigger picture. You want to continue to build that chemistry. You want to get Russ going on all cylinders at the right time. And James is going to be James. Like I said, one of the most talented players we've ever seen in this game. To me, the next two months is about can we get our defense going? Well, we will see what kind of statements they make starting this week. All right, Kevin and Matt, thanks for joining me. Jump is back Monday. We'll see you then.